Well, church, um, I have to say I, it is an honor to be here. It's, it's just amazing to be able to worship alongside of you, and alongside of Jordan and the rest of the band. I, I, I just really was inspired um, by the words that we were singing together. And uh, I love being here. Uh, you guys have such a diverse and an exciting uh, body of believers. Uh, I, I, I love the uh, connection you guys have to, with each other. I love the work that you guys do together. The Compassion Bucket, what an amazing, cool idea that is. And I, I want to just commend you guys uh, and your church and what you guys are doing in your community to serve one another. Uh, my name is Josh. Um, I'm here to, to fill in a little bit for Steve. And I uh, just want to just share uh, a little bit about me. Um, I serve as the executive campus minister I uh, oversee about four different campus ministries. We started off at Virginia Commonwealth University, and we went to Old Dominion. And a few years ago, you guys met Justin, um, who is our campus minister at James Madison University. Uh, we've done some partnering work with the campus ministry at Virginia Tech. And uh, this year, this summer, we are starting something brand new. We're starting a new campus ministry at Christopher Newport, and I'm super excited about that. Um, and so if you're in college or if you're getting ready to head off to college, please come see me after service. I'd love to share with you a little bit about our ministries. And if maybe we don't have a ministry at your college, the one that you're going to, I'd love to point you in the right direction and help you find a campus ministry. But here's the reason why. There are way too many college students going off to college and not continuing in their faith once they get on a university campus. And so I am passionate I am incredibly burdened for young people who go to our colleges, and I want to see them flourish, not just sustain their relationship, but I want to see them flourish in their relationship with Jesus. And so it takes the body of Christ. It takes some folks getting on campus alongside of them, and it takes all of us joining alongside of these students and encouraging them and challenging them. And so uh, that's my main um, role in terms of uh, paid ministry, uh, but my main role is to be a husband of my wife, Jamie, who's right over here, and uh, a husband, a father of my two kids, Caleb and Catherine. We're excited to be here together as a family. Uh, they were just amazed when we came in. They saw all the stuff that you guys do, and really excited about that. Um, but I also, in the midst of all that, I also have been starting a uh, started to do an interim youth ministry, um, so I, I work alongside of Lori um, at another church called Fairmount Christian Church, uh, a church of almost 1,300 folks, and I don't know how I have time to do that. And then, on top of all that, uh, just a, a few weeks ago, they asked me to lead a, an all-star team at our little league, which my son was on that team, and so it's been a crazy, crazy summer. I'm just one person just one person, and yet somehow God keeps putting opportunities in front of me, and I just want to faithfully serve through those things. Um, I, I love that we're in the middle of this, this series, the summer of one, the summer of learning to be one another for each other in this community we call Maple Grove, but also in this community we call Charlottesville. Um, we call all of the folks who are around us, our neighborhoods, how do we want another, everyone, who is in our path? The opportunities given to us. 
I want to pray if we begin to get into his word, um, because I I love to just lay it before him and let him speak. And so if you'll join with me, let's pray. Father, um, I'm humbled to be in your presence and to uh, be allowed by you to share your word. Father, I pray that you would speak and that I would get out of your way. I pray that you would do um, some amazing work in the lives and the hearts of all my friends in this room. I also pray that, that your word would come alive in us, that we would be chained by you, convicted by you, so that we can live out your gospel every step, everywhere we go. God, you are the one who wants the work, and may we allow you to do that work in us. Give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see, and give us hearts that are wide open to your message. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going to be talking about serving one another tonight. Today, <laughs> tonight It feels a little dark in here, so I said tonight. Um, serving one another, and this comes from a very small passage in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 13 and 14, but before we jump into that passage, I want to give you the context, because it's a little strange how did Paul gets here. He's a Paul, the context is that Paul is talking about uh, that we're no longer burdened by all the commands, and, and particularly he's talking about the need to be circumcised. And he, he says that we're no longer burdened by all those 613 laws that are written out in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ sets us free. He sets us free from having to accomplish all those things, having to fulfill all those things, having to re- remember all those things. 613 laws. I, I can't fathom that burden. And here's what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But don't use that freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. We need to serve one another. That is the response that we should have if we have a relationship with Jesus, the one who's taken away all those burdens and having to remember all those laws. If he provides that freedom, then what do we do with that freedom? We turn around and we serve one another in love. You know, when my wife chose to um, go into a relationship uh, enter into a relationship with me, I responded with, holy cow, she's allowing me into her life. Therefore, I'm going to do whatever she wants, right? Men, you know what I'm talking about? We will do anything to be loved by our spouse. In the same way, when Jesus loves us, and it took away this huge burden in our lives, we should want to respond in any way 
that he desired for us to, to do so. And Paul says that as a result of that love, we should turn around and serve one another. But it has to start from deep within us, right? It has to start from the depth of our love from him, for him, and through him to each of the folks who are in our path. Well, one of the things that I am just passionate about is really discovering the stories of what Jesus has to say. And I I came across a couple stories. We're going to do a case study today um, of how Jesus spoke into our lives about serving. And one of the stories is is about Zebedee's family. It's kind of fascinating. It shows up twice in in Scripture. Uh, First is in Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 through 28, which we're going to read in just a moment. But also it shows up in Mark chapter 10, uh, verses 35 to 45. And so in um, Matthew chapter 20, the, the main character is Zebedee's wife, James and John's mom, mother, all right? And he, she is the one who petitions Jesus. Well, in Mark chapter 10, the story is slightly different just to All the the details are the same except for the ones who are petitioning Jesus are actually the brothers, James and John. It is not about the mom, it's about the sons. I mean, all the rest of the story is exactly the same. There's almost exactly the same words, the same request, the same response from Jesus. So do we say, man, do we throw out both those stories? and say that one of them can't be right, so we have to throw them out. Instead, I think it's, they're just giving a different perspective, right? Maybe the mom did make the request, but that's exactly what the sons were hoping, right? Or maybe the sons made the request through the mom. Either way, the request and the story is still the same, and the lesson for you and me is still the same. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. I like this story because it's, uh, it's got the mom. It's a little bit more drama. It's a little bit more uh, suspense in the story. I enjoy that. The, then the mother of Zebedee's son, this is James and John's mom, and Zebedee's wife, came to Jesus with her son. And kneeling down, asked a favor of Jesus. She went down on her knees because she was trying to show respect. She was trying to show honor to Jesus. It also kind of butters him up a little bit, right? It just says, hey, you are the one who can grant this request. And so let me just show you that that's what I think you can do. Listen to what she says. Or Jesus says this, what is it that you want? She said, grant me that one of these two sons of mine may sit on your right hand and the other on the left hand in your kingdom. But one of the things that we don't fully grasp in the story is that he's not, she's not really actually thinking about a heavenly kingdom at this, place, this point. She's thinking about an earthly kingdom. She thinks that Jesus is the Messiah who's going to overthrow the Roman authority. And so, therefore, why not let her son be second and third in command, sit at the right and the left. Notice what Jesus has to say. You 
don't know what you're asking. You don't understand what you're asking. Jesus said, can you drink the cup I am going to drink? At this point, Jesus is laying down some, some heavy prophecy in his own life. And heavy prophecy for those around him. He's, he's implying that you don't understand because you're not able to take on the punishment, the pain, the suffering, and the death that I am going to go through. Are you able to drink that? Notice what the, the brothers said. We can. We can drink that cup. We can sit right beside you in this earthly king. We can drink that cup because it's a beautiful cup in their mind. They don't understand at this point. In verse 23, Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at the right or the left is not for me to grant. These things belong to whom they have been prepared by my Father. See, he's leading into a heavenly kingdom, not an earthly kingdom. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant. So all the rest of the guys on the team, you know, I coached a, a team of 13, 10, 9, and 10-year-old boys, right? Every game, every one of them would say, Coach, where am I playing? When am I getting in? How am I going to, am I pitching today, Coach? I understand these are nine and ten-year-old boys, but we're talking about grown men at this point. And they became angry with James and John. That's what the flesh teaches us to do, right? We become indignant, we become angry, we become frustrated because someone being selfish. Verse 25 says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentile lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I love this story. Because this is so much like you and me, right? We all look for out for ourselves. This story, the, the heart is all about me. These nine and ten-year-old boys, I was just trying to help them understand it's about the team because if we come together as a team, you have nine kids out in the field and four kids sitting on the bench all cheering each other on, leading us to victory, leading us to become a better baseball team, a better baseball player, and a better at winning in life. And yet, what do we want to do? I want to be the star, coach. I want it to be about me. Can I be the one that pitches all the time? Can I be the one that goes up there and hits a great hit? Can I be the one that, that drives in the big run? Can I be the one who plays the most important positions? Can I be the one who sits at the right and the left of your throne? 
The world teaches us that it's all about me. In this story, Jesus is confronted with that from within his own group of best friends. And guys, you and me, we have to confront that in our own lives, in our own families, in our own neighborhoods, in our own workplaces. We need to confront this. It is not about me. It's not about you. We have to confront this evil desire within us that we become all there is. In essence, when I do this, I want to be my own God. I want to supplant who God is. You know, I, th- I think it's fascinating how Jesus responds. He says, no, it's not about you. If you want to be great, if you want to sit at my right and the left, you need to learn to be a servant. You need to learn to be a slave. You need to learn to give up everything that you want and follow after me. Let's take a look at this other story in John chapter 13 and look at how Jesus responds. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. It was just before the Passover feast. This familiar story for some of us. And Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own, and his own in this context is really talking about his disciples, those guys who are gathered around him. Yes, even these two knuckleheads who wanted to all be about themselves, right? He still loved them. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them full extent of his love. Remember back in Galatians chapter 5 where it says we are serve one another in love? This is the full extent of this love and he demonstrates it in this story. The evening meal, in verse 2 says, the evening meal had, was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under, the, under his power. And he had come, up, come from God and was returning to God. He knew that his time was coming where he was going to give up his life. And he was going to return to God. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing. And one of the things that's fascinating to me about this is that he took off his outer clothing and he became humble before the guys who he was with. He was willing to, to basically become nearly naked before them. And he wrapped a towel around his waist. And he did something that, that the owner of the house should have done. You see, in this day and age, everybody walked around in either bare feet or they walked around in sandals. The roads were dusty. There was no such thing as sidewalks back then. The animals shared the same roads, and we all know what animals do, right? You would step in. You would walk through. 
everything. And your feet became incredibly dirty. Gross, some may say. And the culture of this time was, in order for you to eat a meal together, you must become clean. And the dirtiest part of your body was your feet. And so therefore, when you came into someone's house, they had a servant who would come and clean your feet, prepare you so you could eat. You and I, we think our hands are the dirty parts of our body, right? We, we often go wash our hands before we get ready to eat. It was almost the exact opposite at this time. You would get your feet washed before you would eat. Let's pick up again in verse 5. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus, knowing that he is going to die, Jesus, knowing that he's going to return back to his father, he was willing to to stop, take off his clothes, and wash his, his friend's feet. The rabbi, the teacher, the savior, the messiah, the king of everything, was willing to serve. What an amazing heart Jesus had. He came to Simon Peter in verse 6, and he said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No. I can hear Peter, because, you know, Peter's that one who, who just starts saying it, and he's brash, and he's harsh, and he's, no. You should never wash my feet. Peter is thinking in this world, there's no way that the one who I am following, this great teacher should take his clothes off and wash my feet. Instead, it should be the other way around. Which is very true, right? But Peter didn't understand that Jesus was setting not only an example but he was anointing them. He was setting apart these, these guys, his, his disciples, his followers, so that they could lead. And not just lead, but serve in his name. Listen to what in verse 9 it says, actually in verse 8, Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter responded, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus' heart was all about them. Jesus' heart was all about them. It was no longer about me, it was about them. I pray that our hearts become about for them, whether it's your family. My wife serves like crazy to our kids and myself. She serves and gets very little credit. That's the that's them. Our neighbors, 
How do we go out there and serve our neighbors? Maybe we cut their grass when their grass gets a little tall. And you know that things are tough in their family. Maybe we go out and cut the grass for them. Maybe we, we pick up the trash that, you know, that somebody threw out their car as they were driving by and they threw it into your neighbor's yard and we just go around and we pick up that little bit of trash. You know they can do it, but you know it's not below you. How do we serve our coworkers? How do we treat them as if they're greater than ourselves? So here's the crazy thing is when we serve, guys, we are anointing others. We're anointing them. And in the name of Jesus, we're sharing Christ with them. And we're allowing them to get a perspective of life that is different than the rest of this world. We are ambassadors sharing this gospel. Why can't we share this anointing with others? I want to encourage you. It is not about me. It's not about you. It is about them. How does Christ use you to anoint someone else? I've shared with you guys that I'm, I play, coach a little baseball, um, and one of the fascinating things in the last few weeks has been the College World Series. I don't know if anybody's big fans of LSU or Florida. I really don't care about either of those teams. But there was a team that showed up out of the middle of nowhere, Sam Houston State. Anybody heard of Sam Houston State? I don't even know where Sam Houston State is, right? But I know about their baseball team. This baseball team came out of the Southland Conference, won five games in a row, did incredible in the regional tournament, won five out of six games, made it to the Super Regional, played this huge powerhouse team, Florida State University. Lost in the first game against Florida State, six to seven. Came back the next day, played them again, and lost 19 to zero. You would think that this would be deflating. This would be just the end of the world. But I got to see the press conference of the coach of the Sam Houston State team. And I was so amazed. And I want you guys to hear and see the press conference yourself. Isn't that pretty cool? But wouldn't that be amazing if people said the same thing about the folks of Maple Grove Christian Church. Maybe we just need to drop the Maple Grove Christian Church. Maybe, what if people said it about, man, those Christians, most loving, lovable, unselfish, selfless, serving people I've ever been around. I believe that when the body of Christ, the church, Stop focusing on me and begin to focus on serving the them. Special, special things. Not going to Omaha, not going to the College World Series, but special things, special journeys, special destinations will begin to take place in and through his bride, the church. 
The question is, are we willing to put aside ourselves and follow after Jesus and go serve to them? As we prepare for communion this morning, may we remember and be convicted by the way that Jesus served and by the way that Jesus died so that we can experience true freedom. Let's pray. Father, you are almighty. And yet you came and served us. You came as a baby who grew up to be a man who took off his clothes and wrapped himself with a towel and washed feet. Such a humble and holy role. Father, I pray that we as your people will take off all the things that we burden ourselves with, off all the things that we want to pretend that others see about us. I pray that that we will begin to serve out of the depth of our love for you. That even as we partake in your, your communion, your your bread and your juice, that we'll remember that and we'll live it out. May we all commit to do so today and each day going forward. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.